If you have your Bibles, y'all, we are in Philippians. Anybody know what chapter? Chapter 4, yes. Everybody go to Philippians chapter 4. And tonight we're talking about a subject that is so, so valuable. And it's a subject that I really, really wish um, I dove into when I was in high school. And it's the subject of contentment. How can you, how can I have contentment? What is contentment? Well, that's what we're going to look at tonight as we dig into God's Word. First, let me pray for us, and then we'll take a look at it. Father in heaven, we praise you, and we thank you, Lord, for giving us life. Right now, Lord, as we open your Word, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray, Lord, you would help us to be attentive to it. Help me to speak your truth clearly And Lord, I pray that you would grow us from this. It's in Jesus' wonderful name that we pray. Amen. All right, so contentment. What is contentment? I want to give you, first of all, just a really simple definition of contentment. Contentment is to be satisfied in something. To be satisfied or to be fulfilled. That is what contentment is. So we're talking about this subject of contentment and how we can have contentment. And I want to ask you this question to think about is because I know in high school especially and really throughout all of life, the fight and the struggle for contentment is really, really difficult. I'm sure you all have been there. You're struggling. How can I really be like have peace on the inside and have joy in the current season of life that you're in? And a lot of times... If you're anything like me, even now, but especially in high school, you're always thinking about this thing that we need, and if I had this thing, then I would be content. Or if I was with this person, then I would be content. Or if I was just in the next season of life, then I would be content. Like, what is it for you? Everybody in here, there's a struggle. There's a struggle for me. We all have something There is something that all of us can say that we are at least tempted to find contentment in this thing. So first of all, I want to ask rhetorically, what is it for you? What is it for you? If you look at Philippians 4, we're going to look tonight in answering this question, specifically, how can we have contentment? And is contentment really even possible? Is it possible? We're going to look at this tonight. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 14. If y'all remember, Paul is writing this from where? From prison. Yes, he's writing this from prison. And that's a very interesting thing in the first place. Paul, suffering in prison, now writing to the believers in Philippi about his contentment, about how he is satisfied. That seems absolutely crazy. Yeah, that's what he says. Let's look at it. Chapter 4, verses 10 to 14. Follow along with me. Here's what it says. Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. 
I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. So here Paul is at the end of this letter to the church in Philippi, and he starts off by writing to them about how thankful he is for them. So this was a church that had partnered with him in the gospel, and they were supporting Paul to some degree financially even. And so they had sent Paul a gift, and Paul now, he starts this off talking about how he is thankful and how he rejoices in the Lord that they these believers are thinking about him and even seeking to meet his needs where he's at. But interestingly, then he gets on to this subject of contentment. Now, there's three things that I want to show us tonight from God's word from this passage about contentment. All right, these three things. The first thing, and it's going to be up on the screen. The first thing is that true contentment is not based on our circumstances. True contentment is not based on our circumstances. Secondly, true contentment is something that we have to learn. It's something we have to learn. And then the third thing and the last thing is that true contentment only comes from your relationship with Christ. All right, I want to look at the first one. True contentment is not based on our circumstances. Look what Paul says. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, this is verse 10, that now at length you've revived your concern for me, right? He's thankful that they're thinking about him and trying to meet his needs financially. But then he says this, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation, I want you to circle that, whatever situation, This is a man who's writing from prison. This is a man whom the Bible says many times that he was beaten for his faith. He was given the 40 minus 1 lashings for his faith many times. He was a man who, you could describe Paul as this guy. When Paul went to a new city, oftentimes he would not be the man who asked, hey, how's your hotels here? But rather he would probably ask, how's the prison here? Because he knew in advance when he's going and he's sharing the gospel that there was so much suffering and so much persecution that accompanied that. And now he's writing about contentment and that it's not based on his circumstances. He says in verse 12, I know how to be brought low. Anybody here been brought low in your life? Have you ever been in a place where you've just been like, you feel like you've been beaten down to the ground? Paul says, I've been there. He says, I know how to be brought low. And not just brought low, but he says, and I know how to abound. I know what it's like to be on the mountaintop, and I know what it's like to be in the valley. He says, I've been in both, and I've learned in whatever situation to be content, to be satisfied. So what that shows us, y'all, is that true contentment I want you all to hear this. It is actually possible. We're not, look, Paul was a man of God, but I want you all to hear this. Paul was a man. He was a man. He was like us. 
Paul was born into this world with the same sin nature that you and I were born into this world with. He's a man. And he's a man who learned how to be content. And I want you all to see this as well. You see, a lot of us, we have this idea of Christianity. And a lot of folks, a lot of folks think that being a Christian is somebody who adds Jesus to their life to make their life easy and to make their life smooth and to limit hardships or trials in life. And what we see here is actually quite the opposite. That being a Christian doesn't necessarily mean life will be easy. It doesn't necessarily mean you will get the, all the things you want. And in fact, most of the time, you may not. But nonetheless, we see that we can be content. First Timothy chapter 6, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Now listen to this. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these we will be content. I want you all to think about it. What circumstance in your life do you really think you need in order to be content? Is it a certain relationship? Is it a certain college? Is it your future? Your future needs to look a certain way. Is it, a, is it something to do with your friends is it something to do with your sports? That was a big one for me. The college you get to go to, what is it for you? What circumstance do you think you need in order to be content? You see, Paul right here is helping us see that that is actually a lie. It is a lie from Satan to us, telling us and whispering in our ears that you need this certain circumstance or this certain person or this certain thing in your life in order to really be satisfied. And I know in the high school, in ninth grade to 12th grade especially, those temptations and those things we think we need, it seems like it is, it is everywhere. I want you to think about it. What is it for you? We see that true contentment is possible, but true contentment is not based on our circumstances. Here's the second thing we see. We see that true contentment is something that we have to learn it's something that we learn, that we grow in. Look at verse 11. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, which is an interesting thing to say for a man in prison. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, in need for I have learned, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And then he says, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. Contentment, it is possible, but it's something that we have to learn. Man, this is something that I really wish I could sit here and say, that I figured it out, y'all. I've learned to be content in everything, and I never slip up. But it would be such a lie. I can't tell you how often, almost every day, it is a fight against the flesh and against the spirit to remain content in Christ. But our flesh, our sinful flesh is constantly making, is constantly in me drawing my attention away from Christ into different things. 
or to different circumstances. I know when I was in high school, 10th grade, 11th grade, and 12th grade, I remember I was so discontent as a junior. And in my first part of my senior year, I was so discontent that I didn't have a girlfriend. Like that was the thing for me. I had bought in the lie. I had bought in the lie that I need to be in a relationship in order to be satisfied. Now, what I was really doing in that moment was I was looking at my Lord and Savior, the one who died on the cross to pay the price for my sins, the one who rose from the dead three days later, the one who promised me, he says, Blake, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In those days, here's what I was really doing. I was saying, I am not fully satisfied in you. I think I need something else. I think I need more to have true contentment. And that was a lie, I believed. In high school, y'all, for me, I was discontent a lot of times with how my sports were going. I had the dream to play Division I sports. I wanted to play on a team in college, and I just knew that in order to do that, it has to go really well in high school, and it was just it was up and down. And I found myself in a lot of discontent in that moment. Same thing in college. I remember being so discontent with football, of football, the road of up and down. But I want y'all to see something. You see, a lot of times, a lot of times we believe, we believe that God's purpose for us, that God, because he loves us, wants to give us those things that we really want in order that we can be content. Now, I want to warn you in advance. First of all, tell you the truth. We have a loving father. Jesus is described as our faithful shepherd. But I want, you to, I want to warn you of the truth that our loving God who died on the cross for you, he is more concerned about you being content in himself than giving you all those things that you think you want. Why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because true life is found only in him, in your relationship with him. The lie of Satan is that you need to look outside of Christ. The lie of Satan is that you need to look to these different things to find contentment. And the reality is that only brings misery. I've been there. I remember being on my face, on my floor, miserable because my circumstances in life weren't going the way I thought they needed to go. And God and his love for me so often, and I'm warning you this because he may do it to you as well, most likely will, but God in his love for us and in his grace to us, a lot of times he doesn't give us the things the way we think we want it. And as he's doing that, you know what he's really doing? He is teaching us to be content in him. He is teaching us to look to Christ for our life and not for the meaningless things of this world. So what happened with me. And I want you to know that it is not because God is mean, but because he is loving. Because God is a loving, wise father who knows what is best for us. And we don't see the whole picture. God sees the whole picture. I want you to see the third thing now. That true contentment, it's not based on our circumstances. It is something that we have to learn. But true contentment comes only from your relationship 
with Christ. Look at verse 13, and we'll start in the end of verse 12. Paul says, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Wow, as somebody who loves sports, anybody here quoted that verse or know that verse? This is one of the most popular verses in the Bible, and it's interesting. It's also one of the most misapplied verses in all of the Bible. I used to think that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which means I'm going to win every football game, or which means we're going to win our basketball game. Here's the fact. I could say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me a hundred times, and then if you gave me a basketball and let me try to go jump and dunk, it ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. No matter how many squats I do, it's not going to happen. I didn't get that gift. That's not what this verse is talking about. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's talking about something so much more. He's talking about regardless of what situation you find yourself in, through Christ, whether it be a great situation on a mountaintop experience or whether you feel like you've been beaten down to the ground, you may be locked up and in jail for something you never did, regardless of what situation you find yourself in, through Christ, you can be content. You can be satisfied in him. You can have joy in him despite your experiences. You know, I remember this when I was in college. I mentioned to y'all, and some of, many of y'all know my background. I played football in college, and I love football. And football throughout even high school and college was something that was so important to me. I, I made so many sacrifices. I didn't even go to prom as a senior in high school because I was at a football camp. And so you can imagine when the time came for me to be the starting quarterback at ODU, it was like, yes, this is it. Dream come true. Everything's going to happen and work out great. Well, throughout this time, God, it was such an up and down, up and down journey. It was such an up and down journey. And by the time I was a redshirt sophomore, which means I was a junior at ODU, I had my starting opportunity. And the first two games go by. And we won, but it was very sloppy. And then I got benched. My dream of my last 10 years of my life, something I made so many sacrifices for in life, I get benched from it. To somebody who is a freshman, which means, if you know much about sports, that means my career's over. Designated backup until I graduate. And I'll never forget, we were playing against UNC at home, my whole family in the crowd, 20-some family members in the crowd that game, and I get benched. And I'll never forget walking home from the stadium to my house. It was about a mile and a half walk. Walking home, I, by God's amazing grace and kindness to me, I walked home that day, that night, with so much peace. I walked home that night with so much even joy, and it was something that was almost confusing to me. But it was this peace and this rest of my soul, knowing that Christ was with me, knowing that football is not actually life, knowing that I have a relationship with the one who died and rose again to save me, that my security is in him, knowing that my identity is not in this game, 
but it is in Christ. And I walked home that night with so much joy. It's not my experience every day. You're not looking at a man who is flawless, but even every day it's a fight to be content in Christ. But I want you all to know this. Contentment is only possible in your relationship with Christ. It is only possible when Christ is truly the center of your life, meaning he's not an addition to your life. I always think of it as a pie chart, right? We think about a pie chart. We, a lot of times, we view Jesus and our relationship with Jesus as one of the slivers in our pie. But that's not actually how a relationship with Christ works. You see, a relationship with Christ is far different. Christ is the center of it all. And then everything else that we do springs from within him. So Jesus is not one of the slivers in football or, or anything for you. It's just another sliver. No, to follow Christ, for him to be the Lord of your life, is that Jesus is the center of it all. That Jesus is everything. I'm not I was not a football player, but I was a follower of Christ who played football. You're not, a, you're not a student at your school. You're a follower of Christ who's a student also. You see the difference between that? If Christ is the center of your life, that is how we view things. And that is where contentment and peace and joy is found. Because all those other things that we've talked about all of those other things can be here today and gone tomorrow. Money, it could be here and it could be gone. Friends, many of y'all have experienced this. It could be here today, gone tomorrow. Relationships, here today, gone tomorrow. Your sports life, here today, gone tomorrow. One injury and it's gone. Psalm 23 is one of my favorite psalms in the Bible. In verse 1, is such an amazing verse. Listen to what it says. It's very simple, but I want you all to hear this. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does that mean? It means that in Christ, in my shepherd, I have everything that I need. If Jesus is your shepherd, then you have everything that you need. And that is so hard to grasp in a world that is constantly telling you that you need to look a certain way, you need to be a certain way, you need to have certain things in order to be satisfied. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible says that in Christ, in the Lord, you have all that you need. In true contentment, y'all, it is actually possible. It doesn't come from my strength, and it doesn't come from your strength, though. It is through Christ. It is something that comes as we rely on him and trust in him and follow him. But he is the source of our strength. Hebrews 13, 5, it says this. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
what does he root it in? He roots it in, in his relationship with you. Your contentment is rooted in your relationship with Christ. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. As we go to our small groups tonight, I want you all to think about that. I want you to think for a minute, where in your life and in what ways are you wrestling with discontentment? Where are you wrestling with discontentment? And for some of you here, for some of you here, this means in the first place of having a relationship with Christ. And the good news of the gospel is that you can indeed have a relationship with the holy and righteous God who created you. And the good news of the gospel is that although we were sinners, you are a sinner. You entered into this world as a sinner, as your earliest age even. You showed that by we disobeying our parents. But we lie, the way we lie, the way we take things that aren't yours, and the way we are selfish in all sorts of different ways, we show ourselves to be sinners. And that is such a problem because God is totally holy. And God does not compare us with one another, but he compares us to his law, which is perfect. And it leaves us in this place of helplessness. But the good news is that this God who is holy is also loving. And in his love for us, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a sinless life that I and you could never live. And he died on the cross as a substitute for you and I. You see, our sins deserved punishment, and there's no way that God could just sweep them under the rug because that would make him an unjust judge. He's not unjust. He is just. So sin has to be paid for. And God, in his love for us, sent his son to pay the price for that sin. And Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose from the dead three days later so that anyone here who would repent of your sins, that means turn away from your sins, and place your trust in him that you can have eternal life with him. The amazing truth of the gospel is that for all who repent of their sins and place their trust in him, is that you then become a child of God. and You get to enjoy a relationship with him and also with the body of Christ. So if that is you tonight, if you want to follow Christ as your Lord and Savior, your leaders would love to talk to you about that. I would love to talk to you about that. I'm always standing over in lobby C after we're done to speak to anybody who would want to talk about that. I'm going to pray for us, y'all. And then we're going to go to our small groups. Father, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we thank you so much for the gift that we have just to be in a relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you would bless our time in small groups, Lord. And I pray that you would teach us and show us and help us, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in contentment with our relationship with you. And Lord, that only comes from Christ being at the center of everything we are and everything we desire. Lord, please help us. Please cut off all of the things, Lord, that are in our hearts and minds that are in a wrong spot, that are in a place that Christ deserves to be. Help us to follow you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. You are worthy of it, and you are deserving of it. We love you, and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.